It's New Year's Eve. Can you believe it? Actually, guys, can you put up my name again like I requested? Yeah, New Year's Steve. There it is. <laughs> Just feels right, doesn't it? They let you do anything when you're preaching. It's amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. New Year's Eve. I know you all probably feel like you're still processing 2020, but 2024 is here. It is here. Now, for a lot of us, this is a time of the year, right, where we resolve to make some changes in our lives. We feel this need to make some changes in our lives, but only starting tomorrow. Only starting tomorrow, right? Kind of like these guys. Me and the boys sending pictures to the girls we're trying to impress a month after we told them we were going to get six back for the new year. 2024 starts tomorrow, uh, but I believe that God wants to speak to us today, challenge us from his word to actually live in reality on this last day of 2023. So let's begin today with a statement and with a question. Let me see a show of hands if you believe this statement. Jesus changes lives. Yeah, a lot of hands up. Now let me ask you a question for you to ponder with to yourself. How is Jesus changing my life right now? How is he changing your life right now? And I don't mean in the past or when you came to faith or maybe some mountaintop experience that you had at a summer camp or something. Sometimes it's easy to look back on those times and these different seasons. And it's clear to us when God is is changing our lives, is modifying aspects of our story or our circumstances. But we, when we stand on the edge of a new year, it is always healthy and appropriate to pause and take advantage of the opportunity to identify how God is changing us now, in this season, in this day. Or maybe you feel far from God today, and you're like, dude, I don't feel a whole lot of change coming from God at all. Well, today, our, my hope is that our time together will, will prepare us for the new year as we dig into how God actually changes lives. This is our, uh, our core truth for this morning, our big idea. A new year is a new opportunity to grow in Christ. A new year is a new opportunity to grow in Christ. Now, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, maybe that seems like a super obvious statement. Like, yeah, of course, God gives us rhythms and new opportunities to grow, Right? But the truth is, it's good and right to be reminded of this. Our message today isn't about instructing us in something totally new. It's going to be a reminder of the evergreen ways that God changes a human heart when we pursue him. I love how Dr. Samuel Johnson puts it when he said, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. We're going to be reminded today. Let's be reminded today that God wants to change your life. Let's be reminded today that we stand on the edge of a new year of opportunities to grow in Christ. Let's be reminded today that how God invites us to cooperate with him to bring about the life change that each of us desires. Now, tomorrow being New Year's Day really means two things. There's predictions and there's resolutions. Let me make a prediction. Those of us who make a New Year's resolution are going to break them. Right? We even have studies here that show that there's only about a 9% success rate for people who make a New Year's resolution. Now, according to Forbes, the most common New Year's resolutions are to improve fitness, improve finances, improve mental health, to lose weight, and to improve your diet. 
But again, only about 9% of Americans who actually make these resolutions complete them. Now get this, additionally, 23% quit their resolution by the end of the first week. <laughs> and 43% quit by the end of January. 43% quit by the end of January. Maybe you've been there. I know I have. It's kind of like we're saying this. Dear New Year's resolutions, well, it was fun while it lasted. Sincerely, January 2nd. Like we have this idea that like tomorrow morning we're going to make these changes, right? And it's like, oh man, maybe you've heard that famous quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That begs the question, like, why, why do we do this? Why do we do this? And why is it so hard for us to change our lives for the better and to approach things in our lives differently? And I don't just mean with New Year's resolutions that deep down we know we're probably not going to complete but with our walk with Jesus as well. I mean, why is it so hard for us to grow spiritually? Well, unsurprisingly, our, our, gui our guidance comes from God's word today, and we're going to see what the Bible says about how our lives actually change and what's required. Think about it. As the new year ends, as each new year ends, you know, we have this sense, this desire to make changes, to better ourselves, to be different. On January 1st, we're committers, but by February 1st, we're quitters. Like, why does this almost always happen? Well, it's because we are doing the same old things and expecting new results. I love how G.K. Chesterton says it. He says, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It's that we should have a new soul. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. Unless we start afresh about things, we're not going to do anything effective. If we desire to change and grow and be new, it requires doing new things. And the truth remains that a new year is a new opportunity to allow God to address your soul and transform it into what he intends it to be. A new year is a new opportunity to grow in Christ. Now, what's so amazing about it is that God doesn't make this a mystery to us. It's not like he leaves us a riddle in here that we have to somehow decipher. No, like, God tells us how to grow. He tells us how to grow. It may not always be easy, but it is simple. It is simple, but so oftentimes we overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate it. So let's gain some clarity today from God's word. Our central passage this morning is going to be from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Feel free to turn there now in your paper Bible or pull that up on your phone or your tablet. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, now, if you are new to scripture, uh, the books of First and 2 Corinthians are, are uh, letters from a man named Paul written to the church of Christ in a city called Corinth. Now, earlier in his life, Paul was an opponent to Christianity. He fought against Christianity. But later in his life, he becomes a proponent of the faith through this encounter he has with the risen Christ. He shared the good news about Jesus all over the Mediterranean, helping people know Christ and start churches. Now, Corinth was and is a major city in Greece, and Paul started a church there. Uh, we can read about that in Acts chapter 18. He wrote a series of letters helping the Corinthians put off the old life and to put on the new life in Christ. And we also have to understand that the Corinthians had a lot of baggage and dysfunction and insanity. Does that sound any like sound familiar to anybody else? 
can't go put, put my finger on it. Kind of sounds like America today. Now, this is what Paul says to the believers in Corinth. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So see this right here. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation, a new thing. The old has passed away, the new has come. So one of the things we've got to understand about being in Christ is that we have a new life to live. When we are in Christ, we've got a new life to live. And let me see a show of hands. How many people here have welcomed a new baby into their family before? Yeah, a lot of us. Man, we've been blessed in our family to welcome four babies uh, into our family over the years. I remember those days well. Now let me hear you, yes or no, a baby is fully alive. Is that true? Yeah, a baby is fully alive. Now yes or no, a baby knows all that it means to be alive. No. Because they're, they're a dumb baby, Right? I'm sorry if I just offended any babies in the room, but here's the deal. You can't even send me an angry email because you're a dumb baby. You don't know, you don't know how to do it. A baby's fully alive, but a baby doesn't know all that it means to be alive. Now, in the same way, according to Jesus, those who are in Christ are born again with a new life. You can see Jesus say that in John chapter 3. People who are fully alive spiritually but they don't know all that it means yet. Now remember back to our passage from 2 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now also notice those words, in Christ. That phrase appears over 200 times in Scripture. To be in Christ literally means to be a new creation. Biblically speaking, the moment that you trust Christ, the moment you place your faith in Christ... Christ is placed in you by the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, this never-ending process begins of the Holy Spirit helping us become more and more like Christ, out with the old, in with the new. Now, to be clear, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are made right with God instantly. That's something that happens instantly. You instantly become a new thing. Your sins are paid for. Like that. Your future and your destiny are forever changed in a moment. Now the fancy word for this is justification, being justified, being made right with the Father. And that happens instantaneously when you put your faith in Christ. Now sanctification, on the other hand, is that lifelong conforming of your heart to that of Christ, bit by bit and day by day. The Holy Spirit, over time, makes us more and more set apart so that we desire to pursue holiness more than we did at the start. That's sanctification. This is how God leads us to cooperate with him, and he gives us our part to play in it. Now, the reality is Jesus already did his part, but we must do our part if we want to grow in new life with him. If you desire to be growing in 2024 in your relationship with God, 
We've got a part to play. Now, Jesus' part is that he lived the perfect life that we never could live. He offered the perfect sacrifice for sin. He rose from the grave, and he gives us his spirit to walk with us and guide us and change us. Our part is to answer God's call to cooperate with him. I mean, think about it. God doesn't change us by working it on us. He changes us by working with us. So if you ever have the question, like I do, like, man, why am I not changing? I put my faith in Christ. There's parts of my life that I, I feel like are stalled out or kind of flatlined or maybe even getting worse. Like, what, what's the deal with that? Why am I not changing? It's likely because there's areas of our lives where we're not really cooperating with God. But what does that really mean, to cooperate with God? So we're going to look at a few different images today. I hope you're, you're, you're jotting down any notes that jump out to you. I encourage you also just to get your uh, artist hat on. We're going to have some of these simple images. I encourage you to jot these down as we go through them because I think they'll be, they'll be helpful to you. Okay, very simple. This is you, right? Looking good? Looking thin? I actually had the graphic designer uh, base this on my body. Ooh, laughed a little too hard at that. This is you. When you are in Christ, you have new life. You are a new creation. You are a new thing. However, you also have your old ways. New life in Christ, the old ways. The ways that you deal with your emotions are still there. The pain or disappointment that you might have experienced in your life is still there. The habits of sin that you've developed are still there. Think about it. It takes your whole life to develop your old ways. So what do we do with that? There's us in the middle of new life and old ways. Like how do we focus in on the new life and put the old ways out of focus? Well, the answer is found in Ephesians 4, 22. This is another letter, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. This is what he says. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through evil desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul's telling us, put on the new, put off the old. And here's the truth. We don't deal with the old ways by focusing on the old ways. We deal with the old ways by taking on new ways. We actually have to replace the old ways with the new ways. But if our walk with Jesus, we're just simply focusing on our old ways, the best we're going to get is sin management. But Jesus didn't die for sin management. Jesus didn't die for us to just try really hard to not do the things that we used to do. No, Jesus died for new life, for the life change that's available to us. So how do we do it? How does the new life replace the old ways? Here's our next series of images. The first way is this, the word of God. The word of God, engaging with it. Matthew 4.4 4. Jesus is talking about the word of God, and he equates it to bread and our bodies. Jesus says that as bread is to our bodies, 
Scripture, the Word of God, is to our souls. As bread nourishes our bodies, as food nourishes our bodies, Scripture feeds our souls. Let me ask you, how often are you feeding your soul the Scriptures? Because I'm telling you, if it's it's two or three times a month at a, a church service like this, like you are not getting the healthy diet that your soul requires to grow. Check this out. This is super interesting. Uh, The Center for Bible Engagement concluded a major research project with these findings. They said someone who engages Scripture four or more times a week looks radically different from the life of someone who does not. In fact, the lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week are statistically the same as the lives of nonbelievers. Man, what's that telling us? We must engage with the word of God frequently if we desire to grow in Christ. And Bible engagement isn't just downloading information. No, it can and should be a deeply relational thing. It's connecting with our Father. I was at a conference a few years back, and a pastor was teaching, and he was sharing about this. He spent his life discipling guys. And he was sharing with us that uh, one of the common denominators that every single one of these guys that he's discipled has is right around Bible engagement. Like, man, I just, it's so hard for me to get into God's word every day. Like, I I try to prioritize it. I'll try to do it at at night or in the morning. I'll try to carve it into my schedule somehow. I just don't do it. And he said the guys that were really honest would say, man, even when I kind of muster up that discipline to be in God's word, it feels defeating to me because a lot of the time, like the next day, I won't even really remember what I read. I won't even remember. I'll never forget what this pastor said. He said he tells these guys, man, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast two weeks ago, but it still fed me. It still fed me. Sometimes when we're building a pattern in our lives, we can get frustrated because things don't immediately improve or we might not see instant results in a routine that we're forming. But when it comes to obedience to the Lord, specifically in this area, even just the act of discipline has meaning and significance. When we're engaging with the word of God, we're obeying what Jesus said to do. And sometimes that's enough, especially at the beginning before a passion for it really begins to grow. In other words, take Jesus at his word. Take him at his word. He said to do it, so we should do it. He's saying, just spend time with me. Just like you need to feed your body, feed your soul, spend time with me. This is the starting point that everything else flows from. This isn't an add-on. This is meant to be core of who we are. Now, I get it. Maybe you've been here, too. There's, there's sometimes when I'm in God's word where those words are popping off the page in this revelatory way, right? Like meeting us right in a unique circumstance or situation that we're in with like unbelievable, supernatural, specific encouragement or challenge for us. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we do it because we're obeying Jesus because he said to do it. Just like our bodies need to eat food. I mean, think of it this way. Like the best dates that I have with my wife, right? the best dates I have with my wife are when we're sitting at a restaurant and we're looking into each other's eyes, the phones are put away, we're talking about our lives or we're dreaming about our future or we're celebrating what God's doing in our family. I mean, those are rich dates. Those are rich times. But you know, 
sometimes just getting a quick cup of coffee together in the morning before a day's start, like that's enough for that day, for that moment. Sometimes our time with God is really rich, and sometimes it's simply the bread our soul needs. Here's the second part of this equation. We've got the word of God, and we've got one another. One another. Do you know 58 times in Scripture, this phrase one another is mentioned. Scripture directs us to love, for one, love one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, confess sin to one another. But we fail when we go it alone. Each of us, together, growing in Christ, is an absolutely crucial component to the new life in Christ. As we engage with the Bible, we've got to be engaging with other people. Now, if you aren't already a part of one, maybe 2024 is the year that you get into a small group and you surround yourself with people who are trying to walk the same road as you. Now, do you know that we have over 180 small groups at Hill Country? With over 2,000 people engaged in one. Like, being in community is not something that's, like, rare or difficult or weird. I heard this song earlier this year. Uh, Drew Holcomb is a, is a singer. He has a song called Find Your People. I remember hearing it for the first time being like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Here's, here's what he says. He goes, you got, you got to find your people, the ones that make you feel whole, the ones who won't leave your side when you lose control, the ones that don't let you lose your soul. In a world full of strangers, you don't know who to trust. All you see is danger trying to find what you lost. You can't go it alone. Everybody needs help. You got to find your people. Then you find yourself. And we would love to help you find your people here at Hill Country in 2024. Now, the last part of the equation is time. We've got the Word of God, we've got one another, and we've got time. In Luke 9, 62, Jesus says, whoever puts their hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, the only healthy direction with Jesus is forward. And maturity comes simply from time spent moving in that direction. Remember, God doesn't just zap us and the old self is suddenly gone. It takes time to move forward. Plus, God doesn't want us to dwell in the past only and dwell in those spiritual milestones we might have experienced back in the day. And he doesn't want us continually looking into the past to wallow in, in regret for sin or for life-destructive choices we might have made. No, he wants us to move forward and devote the time it takes to make progress with him. Y'all, Jesus did his part our part is to accept his invitation to cooperate with him and to allow his spirit to feed and transform our souls by deeply engaging with God's word and in prayer, by connecting with others to help us maintain forward-moving commitment to Jesus and devoting the time to put off the old self and put on the new. Remember, it's not always easy, but it is simple. It is simple. Now, a warning here, if we take any of the three of these things away, we're likely to experience another year where we feel stalled out in our relationship with God or with each other. That's likely going to happen. But when the three of these things are activated, when the three of these things are engaged, it does produce 
the new life that we're so hungry for. It produces that new life. Now back to our scripture in 2 Corinthians. The other thing we can glean from that, the first is that we've got a new life to live. The second is we've got a new life to give. We've got a new life to give. Every year we typically reset this hamster wheel of insanity, right? Like doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. But the moment we start to truly cooperate with God, we not only receive life, we get the ability to, to share that new life, to give that new life to others. Now look at these verses again. This is just verses 18 and 19 from our passage. It says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, hopefully a couple words popped off the page to you. I want to make them really pop off now. <laughs> ministry and message. When we are in Christ, we've been giving, given a ministry and we've been entrusted with a message. Maybe you're like, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, I'm not in the ministry. I don't, I, I, I've got ministry? I don't know what message you're talking about. Well, look at this right here. Just in these two verses, how many times it says this. Reconciled, reconciliation, reconciling. Four times right here. God's shown us what this is. Now, this is so cool. Now, in the original language, that word reconcile means to restore, as in set a broken bone. To set a broken bone. I just think that's so beautiful. What a great image. Like, to take something that's broken and to make it right and whole and functional and complete. To those whom God restores to himself in Christ, he calls to restore others to himself. Like, that's what our ministry is. In other words, if you're in Christ, then you are in the ministry. All of us. You've been given new life in Christ to join him in extending new life to others. Your message is this. Jesus restored me to God. He's making me new. And your ministry is not keeping that new life to yourself, but by giving to others in what we say and how we live. I mean, think of it this way. Let's say this is the biblical Christian life. We've got time. We've got maturity. The biblical Christian life is that when we come to faith, man, we would be growing over time in our maturity with the goal being Luke 6.40 and Ephesians 4.13, which both of those verses talk about becoming like Christ. As we follow Christ, we're becoming more and more like him. We'll be able to think more like he thinks. We'll care about the things he cares about. We'll love like he loves. We'll pray more like he prays. We'll invest in the things that he does. This is the biblical Christian life, a life of growing in Christ and becoming more like him. But oftentimes we can find our lives looking more like this. Okay, same graph, maturity and time. We come to faith, we grow for a little while, then things get repetitious. We're still living in the old ways, we're focusing on the old ways, we flatten out, and some of us begin to actually fall off and decline. I think we could call this graph the nominal Christian life. And what does it produce? Tired, sour, Christians. 
Y'all, it's possible to get just enough Jesus to inoculate ourselves to him. And we end up getting complacent and bitter and stagnant in our relationship with him. The nominal Christian life, our faith just becomes religion, symbolic, theoretical. And ultimately, that's just going to lead to it becoming something that's minimized in our lives. So what do we hit that makes us flatline here? Let's call this our personal ministry line. Remember, we each have a ministry, our personal ministry line. We hit that, and it's a ceiling we can't really get above. Our, sta- our faith stops growing because we aren't pouring it back out to others. The truth is new life has got to be poured out. New life has to be poured out, giving your time and your talent and your treasures that God gave you to join him in his work of restoring others. Dr. Bob Roberts said this, I've learned that it is not our giftedness that moves us forward in the kingdom of God, but our obedience to Jesus. It's not our giftedness, it's our obedience. And friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what we're called to. If you're in Christ, you have new life, the lifelong process of growing and changing. You have new ministry, helping people become restored to God. And three, you have a new message. This is what Jesus did for me. He can do this for you too. God loves you the way that you are, but he desires to see you continue to grow and flourish, not become stalled out in the mission that he has for you. But here's the good news. In 2024, we can take real steps to do and be all that God has for us in Christ. We can live out the new life he's given us. We can give out that new life. So a couple challenges as we begin to wrap up our message today. My first challenge to you is this. Make 2024 the year you spend time in God's word and in prayer every day while engaging with others along the way. I mean, can you imagine what your life would be like if this was true of you? I mean, how can we say that we love God if we, don't, if we don't know what he says, if we don't know who he is? We've got to be spending time with our Father every single day and engaging with others. Now, just a reminder, next week we start a whole month of a series on prayer. I think this is going to be so helpful for us as we dig in specifically in the importance of prayer and the power it has in our lives. Here's my second challenge. Make 2024 the year you pour yourself out by serving others. Make 2024 the year you pour yourself out by serving others. God has uniquely wired and gifted each of us to make a kingdom impact. Maybe 2024 is the year that you begin serving in a ministry area or you begin to disciple someone else. Pour yourself out. If you feel stalled out, if you relate more to that second graph and you're like, man, I, I, I do feel like I'm on that stalled out line. Man, I believe it's because you need to pour yourself out. You need to pour your life out that God has given you. Now, we've shared this before, but it bears repeating. In the fantasy series, The Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis writes of a land that's always winter, but never Christmas. This is an allegory for sin in the world. Aslan is the lion that represents Christ, and he reverses the curse of winter. And in Narnia, everywhere that Aslan steps, the snow melts and flowers spring up. The snow melts and new life 
springs up. According to our passage in 2 Corinthians, church, you are like that. You are like that. The followers of Jesus are to be like Aslan's footprints wherever we go, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes. New life springs up through the living out and the giving out of what God has given to us in Christ. May that be so of us in 2024. At this time, I'm going to invite all of the worship teams uh, from all of the locations back onto the platform. And we're going to close our time a little bit differently today. And we're going to sing a song uh, just dedicating this new year uh, to Christ. And now, uh, the words might be unfamiliar to you, but uh, I promise that you'll, you'll recognize this New Year's Eve tune. And so I encourage you to, to grab a hold of it and sing it, make this a declaration. Or just let these words wash over you and commit that this is something that you want to be true of you today. It begins with these lyrics that really helps us remember who Jesus is and who we are in all of this. It says, should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house, in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me, what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn. All glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ, our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. Before we sing, let me pray for you. God, thank you for this reminder that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that you can transform us into what you intended. God, we're grateful for the new life that we have to live and give through Christ. God, we're thankful to Jesus for doing his part, for taking our sin and, and reconciling us to the Father and giving us your spirit who helps us do our part. God, help us to resolve in this new year to feed our souls, to journey with other believers, and to never look back. Amen.